We're thrilled to announce that we now have seven powerful devotionals available on YouVersion's Bible app. For those not in the know, YouVersion is the top Bible app in the world, and we're honored to be on this incredible platform. Our devotionals dive deep into the pillars that define the lion within us, health, wealth, and self. So whether you're seeking spiritual growth, financial wisdom, or personal development, these devotionals are tailor-made for you. So ready to embark on this transformative journey and unleash the lion within you? Head over to thelionwithin.us slash uversion to access our devotions on the uversion app. Join thousands of like-minded individuals and dive into the word with us. That's thelionwithin.us slash uversion. That's Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And let's grow together and become the leaders God intends us to be. Welcome to The Lion Within Us, a podcast serving Christian men who are hungry to be the leaders God intends you to be. I'm your host, Chris Granger. Let's jump in. All right, guys, it's your meat episode of the week. I'm excited to have you here. Before we get too far, let's dig right into the scripture, okay? So the, our verses of the week, Romans 8, 38 and 39, okay? Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Absolutely love those two verses, guys. Obviously, go back to listen to the spiritual kickoff. We spent a lot of time unpacking those verses at length. Hopefully, that you'll be able to take away some 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 really good items there, guys, where you can simplify and apply those verses to your life. Okay. So now today, I'm excited. Got a, a guy, Brian Rucker here. He, some of you guys may recognize the name or you may recognize him if you watch the video, uh, from, from Duck Dynasty. He was on a couple episodes there. Incredible guy. Funny story. I actually met Brian when I was down there with hanging out with, with the, with the Unashamed crew. Uh, he actually recorded an episode right prior to the one that I went on. And so it was really cool just to sit back and hear his story. So when they reached out and said, Hey, Brian, I'd like to come on. It was a natural. Yes, absolutely. Cause his story is incredible, right? He shows us fellas right here that it's possible to overcome a lot of difficulties in life, like a broken past, right? And to get that undeserved second chance. I mean, he really unpacks it. He talks about his life as a gang member, as what that looked like growing up. The first time he saw someone get killed at nine years old, when his, he lost his mom at 13, uh, he was in and out of prisons and constantly over and over and over found himself back, you know, getting getting second chances. And then after making a, a, a move from Texas to West Monroe, he found the love of Christ. He found it. And the story, I'm just going to tell you guys, you got to listen to the story because when he talks about how his application, he, basically, he just put in a job application to go work for, uh, for a duck commander. The way his application got actually selected during that time is nothing but God. So you definitely want to hear that part. So right now he works to celebrate recovery. He really helps others overcome their struggles. Uh, he's an, an addiction counselor. He's, he's gone through so much in his life. He's able to connect with people just on a really personal level. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Brian. It was just, it was really letting him just share a lot of his story and just talking about, you know, how we can use the hurdles and obstacles that we have in life to love others and to point others to the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. It was definitely one that was 
I think it was it's impactful. The story, the testimony is is incredible. So if you know someone who's going through a, a difficult season or trial, maybe you know you have that prodigal son or daughter. This could be one that you may just want to listen to for just for a little bit of hope. Because yeah, I know life's throwing a lot of curveballs at a lot of people, but hope exists. You know, and the only hope that I, that I can offer you today is the hope that's found in Christ. So listen to Brian's story, let it soak in, and then think about how Christ moved in his life and what he wants to do in your life. So enjoy this conversation with my friend, Brian Rucker. Well, Brian, welcome to The Lion Within Us. How are you doing today? Man, I'm blessed for sure. Uh, it's an honor to be here, man. It's really cool. Now, it is cool, man. I tell you, we were talking earlier before we just got started, so... For listeners out there, uh, when I got a chance to go to Louisiana and, and go on Unashamed, there was a, I saw a bunch of episodes they recorded. They usually batch them as Al and them talk about. But you know, you were right before that. I, I went on to, to to hang out with Al on the episode I went on. I got to hear your story, and I just thought it was amazing. It was awesome. So when your people reached out, I'm like, "Hey, would you like to have Brian Rucker?" I'm like, "Absolutely, I want to have Brian Rucker." Oh, Vince, this is really cool <laughs> that we're able to connect here, man. Yeah, no, for sure. It's always interesting how God works things together, pieces things together. And, you know, the little connections and people that you meet and then you, you look down the road a little time later and, and here we are doing doing one on, on your show. So, Amen. Amen. I, I'm excited to have you, man. Before we get into it too deep, though, I always like to start out light, you know, so maybe is there something fun or a fun fact about you? that not many people know, you know, I know a lot of people may know you from the show and things like that, but like just something that maybe just your, your, your close knit friends know, or something that's just cool. You'd like to share with us, man. Uh, kind of put me on the spot there. I'm trying to think, uh, cause I, here's the thing. You come from the life I come from. There's all right. kinds of fun facts, you know, <laughs> and there's all right, kinds right. of, there's all kinds of little things that most people don't know. Um, well, I'll say this. Uh, I just got married. Uh, we're, we're on week two. I oh, wow. uh, got married on the 29th of October. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I don't know if this is necessarily a, a fun fact, but uh, for years, I mean, uh, at least eight years, uh, I have a son. He's 13 years old. Uh, had him uh, with a, a woman from, you know, before I changed my life and stuff. And uh, and for eight years, I've been praying, uh, man, I'd love to have my son up here. God, if it's in your will, let me have him here around me uh, full time, uh, get him into a school that, you know, Willie went to, the school that Al went to, uh, you know, Jace, all those guys. And um, and then, of course, obviously, I need a I need a a teammate. I need a wife. And so, you know, I'm praying for that for years. And, uh, you know, they say it's when you pray for something, you may not get it when you want it or how you thought you'd get it. But mm -hmm. if it's in God's will, uh, it's going to be done. And uh, in a time frame of about three months, I moved a teenager old, a teenage son here full time, got him involved in school, had to do the single dad, get him to school thing. Right. Uh, up until two weeks ago when we got married. And so uh, the thing that I've learned in that and probably a fun fact is I'm not very good at uh, being patient with uh, things that I don't understand. Right. And so, man, you know, uh, 
getting married has been a blast. Uh, she's fantastic. And, uh, you know, so fun fact, more or less, not necessarily funny is I uh, just got married recently and just moved my son up here. And uh, that's just uh, God's blessings, the exceedingly abundantly more than we can imagine coming to fruition. You know? Amen to that, man. Well, congratulations on the wedding for sure. I mean, you guys you. take a, a honeymoon anywhere, go anywhere fun? Yeah, yeah. Well, so we just went up to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, didn't do too much. It was like, you know, we didn't want to go all out for the honeymoon. Plus, we're both really busy and things like that. So I'm actually, this is my first week back after being gone for the two weeks. I uh, right. spent a week moving into our new place and getting situated that way after we got married on that Sunday, uh, I was just there. I didn't have to worry about nothing, yeah. uh, right. moving anything. And then we went on the honeymoon and, uh, of course the white chair film came out and God's really using it. And so I'm getting opportunities to do, uh, you know, things like this with you and others. And so it's, it's been a little chaotic, uh, just the time frame of like coming back. I think I got, six different shows to be on just this week and so yeah. it's it's non-stop but yeah we took the honeymoon and it, it was fun and um just relaxed really getting that's ready cool. for what god has that's cool man well, i mean you mentioned that white chair film and it's great I, I watched it the other day just preparing for getting ready to to meet with you but man start back you I mean you originally you're not from louisiana you're a guy from texas maybe give us mm -hmm. a little bit of a background of but for the listeners out there who are not familiar with your story, uh, just get them up to speed here. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Uh, you know, I'm from a all-black neighborhood, so I used to have to fight before I was on the bus, when I was on the bus, when I got off the bus. Uh, just growing up in that culture, in that environment, uh, you know, you you don't really – it's it's a different world. And mm -hmm. so um, – you know, uh, I used to watch shows like uh, Full House and Family Matters and stuff like that. And I would see that stuff on TV, but then I would look around in my environment and I was like, man, that's just fake. Like nobody lives like that. I thought it was just right. made for TV. Um, never knew my father. Uh, so growing up, it was just me, my mom and my grandmother. And uh, the first time I seen someone uh, get gunned down, I was nine years old. And I came to this like harsh reality at a very young age that like your life can be taken from you very quickly. Yeah. Like it, you know, and um, now that I'm a counselor and I look back on all these different experiences throughout my childhood, I realize how it shaped a lot of my perspective and thought process and things like that. But when you're there and you're in it, you just think that this is, this is life. This is the world you live in. And so, um, you know, found my mom dead whenever I was 13. Uh, she had passed away uh, as a result of male practice. And I went to wake her up uh, one December morning and uh, she was gone. And, um, you know, uh, that was something that that really affected me uh, for a long time, uh, because after she passed, uh, I remember paramedics came in, they set me down and they said, we're sorry to tell you, but your mom passed away. And, yeah. uh, I just said, man, I know that. Uh, I think I cried for like 30 seconds and then I just became angry. Yeah. Um, it wasn't long after that, I got arrested for the first time, 
it was for a aggravated robbery with a deadly charge. So I get my first gun and uh, I was just kind of like, man, I can uh, I could do anything with this. You know, yeah. that gun just made me feel so like empowered uh, because mm-hmm. coming up where I come from, that's what you know, is if you have the ability to make people give you something, then you can you have power. And so uh, I decided that I'm going to commit my first robbery, and that was uh, to rob a food truck that would come through the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I'm so young. I'm 13. I don't know anything about like uh, credit card payments or anything like that. So I'm telling myself, well, man, they're dropping off this food. They got to just have like a stack of money. And um, I run up on this dude driving a food truck that's about to deliver two boxes of ice cream sandwiches and try to rob him. And he literally just throws the ice cream sandwiches at me and me being, you know, scared. My adrenaline's pumping. I've never done this before. I pick up the ice cream sandwiches and I take off running to my apartment. And uh, less than 30 minutes later, the cops are there. Short, chunky, Hispanic looking kid in this neighborhood. Yeah, we know who he is. And. I get arrested for the first time. And, uh, you know, I had already gotten involved into the gang lifestyle, selling right. drugs, uh, you know, you smoking weed, just things like that, because that's who I idolized was guys in my neighborhood. Uh, yeah. I thought that that's what authentic manhood was. was well, that's all like around right? Guys. Well, yeah. yeah, man. You know, I, I told somebody like this before, um, it's crazy to think of it, but the truth is you didn't know a person was a man until they had already went to prison. Like almost mm-hmm. like going to prison was a rite of passage. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. so, uh, and so, you know, that's just, that's just what I thought. So whenever I got incarcerated at 13, I, I, I was like, Oh, you know, this sucks, but I'm still dealing with the loss of my mom uh, and things like that. I'm angry. So it was just kind of like, all right, I'm going to do this. I ended up getting sentenced to nine months, uh, TYC, which is Texas Youth Commission, basically like prison for juveniles. And uh, I turned my nine month sentence into two and a half years. And I'm locked up from 13 to 16 years old. Just because uh, of behavior or something? I mean, why, what, well, what, how do you have that happen? Well, so God, uh, God has has always given me this gift and ability to speak. Uh, And, you know, uh, I've never been the biggest dude, the baddest dude or anything like that. But I was always able to maneuver and talk and work things out. And so I end up uh, I decide that I'm going to start a gang. And so I started a little gang while I was in TYC. And, uh, you know, because it was all about like, you know, what city you're from or what color you are. And my whole thing was I didn't care about none of that. Just uh, if we point somebody out, you 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 roll on them and, right. and that's that. And uh, it turned into this big thing. And I ended up getting hit with an organized crime charge inside a juvenile facility and oh my everything. And they recommitted me and I had to go to a different state school. And uh, ultimately, they sent me to this place called Gulf Coast uh, in Huntsville, Texas, or New Waverly, actually. And um, the only way I was eligible for release was 
I had to get a GED, a learner's permit, and a builder's trade. And if I accomplished those things, then I would be uh, eligible to go home. Right. And uh, and so, yeah, I was locked up from 13 to 16, just, you know, not really caring about anything and just yeah. being wild, really. Right, um, right. I mean, I'm curious, when you were in there, what were you studying? Did you learn that? Tra- was there a trade you learned that you were able to – to get out and actually utilize once you, you know, were released? Well, so yeah, I actually learned a lot about painting and remodeling. That was the trade that I learned was uh, painting and remodeling. And matter of fact, most people is, I really appreciate you asking that because I I don't, I don't get the opportunity to tell this much, but I actually uh, took my GED while incarcerated. I made one of the highest scores in Texas that year. And they gave me uh some grants to go to a Christian college in Hawkins, Texas called uh, Jarvis Christian college. Uh, Now, nothing ever happened with that, Uh, but, but, you know, I did. And and I really think uh, I actually contacted Gulf Coast not a few years ago, just to kind of tell them, you know, where I was at and what I was doing, because um, if I never get sent there, then I never have, a GED. Uh, I never right. learned really anything. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I learned about painting and remodeling and, um, you know, never, never really did anything with it, but comes in handy whenever, uh, whenever I need to paint a room or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. I mean, and those skills are important. I've been trying to talk with our guys in our community a lot about the, the sacredness of the work that we do, or you don't always have to be in directly in the mission field, quote unquote, or working for the church, you know, mm-hmm. painting, remodeling, that type of work is, is that is your mission field. That's your pulpit. You know, if that's where mm-hmm. you find yourself at today. So, man, I just appreciate you sharing that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. So from Texas, you know, Texas to Louisiana, you know, what, what brought you to Louisiana to where you got to you know, ultimately, you know, meet the, the crew, Al and that group. But what, you know, that's not what why you came. So I'm just curious what, what brought you there. Well, so uh, so I get out of uh, I get out of TYC and uh, I get linked up with some pretty heavy hitters. And uh, I ultimately end up making nearly sixty thousand dollars a month selling narcotics, I, I, you know, so you a, get you get out and you go straight back to that lifestyle. Oh yeah, like. for sure. Right. Okay. You okay. know, I got I got out with these aspirations of like, you know, like maybe I'll go to school and get like a real diploma and right. stuff like that. Well, then, you know, the school is basically like, no, nah, you can't come here. Like, <laughs> you're you no, know, nah, you just stick to your GED and then, you know, you can't get a job nowhere. Plus, I go right back to the same environment. So, right. uh, you know, yeah, it was a matter of time. And and while I was incarcerated, I made some connections uh, with some cartel guys that ultimately, mm-hmm. um, you know, enabled me to be able to buy large uh, quantities. And then we put it on the interstate and it just kind of went from there. But ultimately, um had a pipeline from Houston to Columbia, South Carolina, and was making uh, at the height of it around $60,000 a month. Uh, now, it don't last very long. You know, right. uh, I get out at 16 and uh, just after I turned 17 uh, years or well, before I turn 18, uh, while I'm 17 years old, uh, I get arrested for a gang related shooting in which a person dies. Okay. Um and so now 
I'm incarcerated at 17, about to turn 18 years old. And um, and I'm you know, ultimately looking at life in prison. And uh, and so, you know, just to kind of spare all of the uh, grimy details and for time's sake, I mean, right. uh, that was a very traumatic and difficult time for me uh, because there's a lot of things that went into that. And I've done a lot of things in my life um, that uh, that have had an impact on my, uh, my my mental health and everything else. But the things that occurred that day uh, still, uh, even with the healing power of Jesus in my life, have an impact on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and then, you know, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm, I'm looking at life in prison and I'm thinking like, man, I've never been in love. I've never worked a real job. I've never, I've never done anything. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I remember there was this old guy in the, in the cell with me. Uh, we were both waiting to go to court and, uh, my lawyer had came in talked to me through some glass and, you know, basically was like, Hey, you're, you're looking at life without parole. And, um, I walk, I walk away from the glass. Uh, my lawyer leaves the room. Uh, that inmate sitting there, it's just some old guy. I don't even know who he is. And he looks at me and he says, youngster, your life is over. And I'm thinking like, man, you're right. My life is over. And um, ultimately fight those charges for several years, ultimately get released uh, after beating them on appeals and things like that. And, um, after I get released, I go right back to the same neighborhood I was in. And, uh, and, you know, as soon as I get there, the cops are basically like, Hey, no matter what we got to do, we're going to get you off the streets. And I really felt like either they were going to like set me up or they were going to kill me. And so I was like, I need to get out of Houston. Uh, this girl I used to mess with shows up and, uh, you know, we, we get to talking and I realized that she's about to move. And so I was just like, all right, let's go. Um, that the next few years of my life was basically a process of move somewhere, work a job, get laid off, move somewhere else, work a job, get laid off. Me and her have my son. Uh, then after, uh, he's born, we split up and long story short, I end up in, uh, Longview, Texas. And I'm working at a chicken express and I'm telling myself, I mean, as long as I don't uh, sell any drugs or participate in any gang activity or anything like that, then I can be a dad. To me, that's all it was ever about was just I just need to be a dad. Uh, After having my son, I realized that he is exactly like me. And my biggest fear was him having a life like mine. Right. Um, And, you know, I was I was totally atheist, didn't believe in God or anything. So, you know, I I didn't I didn't even look at it from from that perspective at all. I just really was like, man, I got it. I don't want my son to live like I live. Yeah. Uh, And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm working at this Chicken Express trying to do the right thing. And then I get laid off from that job. And I had just got to the point where I had tried so hard to do uh, something different and it wasn't panning out. And I was I had conceded to the the mindset that, like, I'm just destined to sell drugs like this is just what I have to do. Right. Um, and so uh, I make a phone call to a friend, get some 
get two two bricks brought up to Longview and I'm about to just flood East Texas. Well, uh, I get a phone call uh, from my grandmother. Uh, she had just got out the hospital and um, and, uh, you know, it was around Christmas time. So I decided to come out here and visit her. So uh, to make some of that make sense, my mom and my grandmother are originally from uh, Monroe, West Monroe. And okay. in the early 80s, they moved to Houston uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and then I'm born and all I know is Houston and things like that. Well, my mom passes away uh, and then I ultimately go to prison and things like that. So my grandmother moves back to Monroe and West Monroe. Okay. Well, I get out of prison. I move all over Texas, you know, working at Chicken Express and then. That's whenever I get the phone call from her. Hey, my health is bad, you know. Uh, so I come out here to visit her, and I'm standing outside talking to this lady that's my aunt, and uh, you know, and they're telling me they're going to put her in a nursing home because insurance wouldn't pay for someone to be with her at night. And so, uh, for whatever reason, I say, "Well, I'll move out here and help her." Uh, I wasn't supposed to. She was living in a one-bedroom apartment in a retired. Uh, living community, like right. I'm not even supposed to be there. Um, but I knew it would save me from the one thing that I, I didn't want to do. And I really didn't want to sell drugs, like, because I felt like if uh, if I ever went back to prison, that they would hide me. Like I, I knew I knew that I'd gotten out uh, and I wasn't supposed to. And I knew right. that I knew that that would never happen again. And so um, and so I go back to East Texas. I give the drugs to my roommate, give him the keys to the apartment that I was staying in and uh, load up and move to Monroe, Louisiana to take care of my grandma. Uh, wow. I get her back on her feet a little bit and then I start going everywhere looking for a job. McDonald's, Taco Bell. I couldn't get nobody to give me a job. And uh, I was just driving down Thomas Road. And I look over to my right and I see this big brown building and it says Duck Commander on it. And uh, I was like, well, I'm going to go put in an application there. Um, in my mind, I was telling myself, I'm going to go put in an application everywhere. That way, whenever I'm telling people how I have to sell drugs because society won't allow me to get a job, I could say that I tried. And uh, I go in there, put in the application uh, about another month goes by, and at this point, I'm just completely, uh, completely broken, man. Uh, I was at my wits' end. Uh, I would, I would be in the bathroom every night, just staring in this mirror, getting high and drunk, listening to music, like trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with my life. I had PTSD um, from just the several different things that I had went through. Uh, I, I didn't sleep at night. I was trying to wrap my mind around the fact that I wasn't dead, uh, wrap my mind around the fact that I was free and I didn't deserve to be um, right. and, and all kinds of stuff, man. Like I was just in in really bad shape mentally and emotionally. And um, and, you know, I, I was trying to figure out, like, what is all this for? Did I am I not in prison just to suffer and. Um, and then randomly, uh, I get a phone call from duck commander and they asked me to come in for an interview. 
And so this is a time after Doug Dynasty had really blown up uh, and uh, they had people coming by all the time. And, uh, right. You know, and so hey, let's, um, let's take a quick break, Brian. We'll be right back, guys. We've got exciting news. Our Black Friday promotion is live right now, and you do not want to miss this. As we approach 2024, we're thrilled to give you access to our vibrant community at over 50% off. Inside our community, you'll find opportunities to elevate your journey through exclusive spiritual kickoffs, engaging Bible studies, lion lunches, forums, and so much more. Also, you'll have the opportunity to sit in on one of our several mastermind groups. If you're in search of a Christian men's group that's all about accountability, intentionality, and iron sharpening, this is the place for you. Best of all, it's all conveniently inside our exclusive app, free from ads or interruptions. Head over to thelionwithin.us right now to seize this promotion and secure your savings. Don't miss out. Your journey begins here. Visit thelionwithin.us to join today. All right. All right. So, Brian, you just you, you went in for that interview from Duck Commander, man. So what's 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 happening there? How'd that go? Well, so I go into the interview and, uh, you know, they're kind of trying to fill me out there. You know, nobody really knew who I was, how right. I ended up there or anything like that. And so uh, I, I walk into the interview with two people. One's name is Blaze Thomas. Uh, the other guy's name is Brad Gilbo, and uh, and I'm sitting there, and they're like, "Well, how would you like to work here?" And you know, just trying to see where I was, and I said, "Man, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I really don't care if it's y'all or McDonald's. Like, I'm just trying to feed my kid, and I don't want to sell drugs to do it." And uh, they kind of looked at me like I was crazy, and. And then they said, well, if you got a job, when could you start? You know, and I like stood up, untucked my shirt and I said, I'll start right now. And uh, then Blaze was like, OK, man, we'll give you a call. They just kind of like, like, all right, you know, almost kicked me out is what it felt like. And uh, and so then I, I, I go from like, man, I get back to my grandma's apartment and I'm like, why did I tell him that? You know, it's like when keeping it real goes wrong. Yeah, that's like, right. I was just trying to keep it real with you and. You're definitely not going to hire me. I told you I sell drugs. And, uh, and uh, you know, f- for whatever reason, man, God just working things. Um, you know, they called me uh, two days later. I missed their phone call five times. And uh, for some reason, they just kept calling. And, uh, and uh, I started that next Monday folding clothes for $8 an hour just in the warehouse right. uh, for the store that they were running. And wow, so that's man. how that's how I ended up at uh, Duck Commander. And there's actually another part of that story that makes it very evident that uh, this is completely God's doing. It's a divine appointment because um, I get to work there and, you know, I just start working, man. I'm not really worried about who anybody is or, or anything like that. I really wasn't too familiar with the show at all, like whenever right. I got the job. Um, and I didn't look like this, you know, I was like taper fade tattoos, wearing Dickies. Like I was straight from, you know, Houston, you know, so people would always ask me like, man, how'd you get here? And this and that. And I tell them 
where I came from and the stuff that I've been through. And they're like, man, that's wild. Uh, like, well, how'd you get a job here? Like, who did you know? And I said, I didn't know anybody. And they're like, well, that's weird too. And <laughs> come to find out, uh, Blaze had, um, so th- there was this time period after Doug Dynasty took off that, uh, you know, they were basically just bringing in anybody and everybody that they knew, even people that they didn't know. It was like an influx to where like, man, if you could build a duck call, if you can put your hands on something, come. And then they had started trying to get, you know, things kind of a little bit more structured. And that's when they hired Blaze and this other guy, Brad, to kind of manage things and take care of it. And, um, and so at the time, they weren't really hiring people that they didn't know. And, okay. uh, you know, they would have thousands of fans come by the warehouse. And, you know, sometimes fans would just ask them for. Uh, oh, sorry about that. No worries. Let me turn it I'm just going to throw uh, a marker right there so we'll know to take that out. All right, cool. Yeah. And so um, and so they would have fans come by uh, and them just be a neighborly whenever they'd ask for an application. They would just, you know, let them fill out an application and they would take the applications, put them on this desk in one of the offices. And, you know, it's it's their applications, but it's it's not necessarily people that are even local or anything like that, you know, and um, and one of the buck commander guys, uh, you know, everybody at up there, duck commander, buck commander, like it, it's a family type environment. So like people just uh, like you play pranks with it on each other and stuff like that. Well, blaze had a couple of applications on his desk of people that he was going to call, you know, to hire. And uh, as a joke, one of the buck commander guys randomly pulls an application out of that stack of like 2,500 of people that they're never going to call and puts it on Blaze's desk, and that was my application. Seriously. And so, oh yeah, and so after after people hear that, they're like, man, you're here for a reason. And I was like, man, I'm just here to do a job. Like, don't come at me with no Jesus stuff. I ain't trying to hear none of that. Right, and, right. Uh, and, you know, I'll say nobody ever opened up a Bible. Nobody ever pointed to any verses. Nobody ever told me that uh, I was a sinner or that I needed to repent. Uh, These guys changed my life by saying uh, three words, and that was, we love you. And and that is not a joke, man. Like, there was no – I had the – the gospel was shared to me through the actions of men being Mm. Christ-like. Right there in that warehouse. Right there in that warehouse, man. Um, they started to give me more responsibility, uh, having me tag along for stuff and would just like, you know, make made me feel. And then they would always end by saying, hey, man, we love you. And I was like, man, what is with these people? Like, why are they why are they telling me they love me? You know, I had never had a, a man tell me that they love me before. Yeah. You know, in the streets, you have people say, hey, bro, yeah, we love you, man. You know, but there's always some type of uh, can there's there's some type of stipulation or or something mm-hmm. attached to that. Yeah, this was this was just Genuine. people saying they love me for no reason. And I couldn't offer them anything. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so they, you know, I started getting invited to church by uh, one of the camera guys for Duck Commander. His name was Lyle Sinke. Uh, and they started inviting me to church. And I'm honestly, I go to church for the first time thinking, well, I'll go to church. They'll see me going to church. Maybe I'll get a raise or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. give, me, yeah. give me some money. Uh, I was like, man, I'm a really, you know. So I go to church and I sit down and I listen and I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. All right, let's just get this over with. And, um, uh, you know, that, that Monday I get back to the office and I'm thinking, all right, everybody's going to say how they see me at church and done. You know, let me get my raise. And um, nobody said anything. So I was like, all right, I got to go again. Uh, so I go again and then I go again. And the more I went, the more I listened and the more I listened, everything that didn't make sense made sense. If I put God in the equation, right. Uh, you know, like I, I used to base on everything on science and logic. Scientifically, I should be dead. Uh, I've been shot at. I've been stabbed. Uh, and logically, I should be in prison the rest of my life. And I wasn't in either one of those spots. And the only thing that ever made any of that makes sense uh, was if there was a God and he had a plan and a purpose for my life. Yeah. And because I tried to make sense of it every other way. That's what drove me insane. That's what put me in that bathroom, staring in the mirror, getting high and drunk every night. I was just trying to make sense of this, this me being existing. Right. Like yeah. it never made sense in any mathematical equation, logical way or anything else. And the only thing that ever made made it made sense was if there's a God. And so, uh, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a burning bush moment. It wasn't a road to Damascus moment. Yeah. Uh, it was. Um, OK, well, if you're real, let's see. I said, I'm going I'm to open up this word. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to study it. And and God, if you're real. I'll know. And uh, for sure, he started revealing himself to me. And uh, about a month later, I get baptized by Phil. Um, you know, that's amazing, man. What an incredible story. I mean, and the the, the connection I want the guys to, to get here is, you know, it wasn't a bunch of pastors or clergymen that were coming, hitting you with the gospel. It was the love of, of those guys in the warehouse just showing you through their actions Again, our business is our pulpit, guys, if you're listening to this. And that that really just impacted you greatly. That was incredible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing, you know, um, the word preach means to proclaim. The best way to proclaim the good news of the gospel is by being Christ-like to people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we are the conduit of Christ's love here on earth. And I think sometimes we get real caught up as, as leaders, as ministers, as people that are trying to teach and equip people. We get real caught up in trying to teach and equip, uh, but sometimes forget that the compassion and kindness and the way that we treat people will ultimately soften the heart more than anything they're taught. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if we're going to, you know, get to heaven and uh, and we be asked the question of like, well, how much uh, do you know? <laughs> you know, what I mean, yeah, I right. think it's going to be uh, already set in stone. Like, hey, you're covered in 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 Jesus's blood. Like, you're yeah. you're a son. 
Well, I mean, the thief on the cross, he got there. He didn't know anything other than right. Jesus said he could come with him. So I'm curious, though, Brian, I mean, sitting here hearing your story, and I, I talk a lot here with the lion about that one of the major issues in society that I see, and, and I know a lot of people talk about it, is just fatherlessness and how we don't mm-hmm. have our, you know, when we don't have a strong male figure in our home, sometimes it can just have such a negative impact. And you you said earlier how critical it was when you had had your son that you want to be there for. I mean, you want to be there in his life. You, you're recognizing that, man. As you sit back and think about it, man, you never knew your dad. Uh, how do you think that not having a male in the home impacted you? I mean, you're definitely in a tough neighborhood. Do you think it would have been a significant difference if you would have had a male figure there, even though you were in the, the area that you lived in Houston? Um, uh, you know, I, I think about that a lot. And I think in most in most cases, yeah, having a strong male figure in the home uh, can change a lot. However, uh, the character of that man matters. Sure. Right? So it's not just about having did you a have a there, dad yeah. or did you not have a dad. Right. Right. Because I counsel and, and help people all the time that had a father in the home but the character of that man uh wasn't one that necessarily Mm. was beneficial um so in my situation had i have had a a father in the home well chances probably would have been that the character of him wouldn't have necessarily done me any favors either sure um so I think that, yeah, obviously just looking at God's word, the the uh, structure of the household and everything, um, you know, you need to have that male leader, uh, but not just a male leader, a male spiritual leader. You need to have right. a man of character that is uh, chasing after Jesus and uh, trying to live according to his ways uh, to lead a family. And that will. 100 yeah. percent make the difference you know 90 percent of uh families in which the father chases after jesus the rest of the family chases after jesus also oh yeah yeah uh, so it's like it matters but it's not just having a having a man in the home what kind of man is in the home 100 because there's a lot of there's a lot of men in homes that have caused a lot of damage too yeah you know so it, it's so important. And I mean, you've talked about those spiritual mentors and now you're connected. You know, Phil baptizes you. You're, you're around that, that strong fam, you know, family of faith right there with the Robertsons. How, how did that impact you? Because, I mean, once you you make that confession of faith and, you, you know, you, you repent, and you submit your life to your lordship, then you have to have people come alongside discipling you and teaching you what that means. Right. And you had a obviously a phenomenal access to some strong godly men. What what was that like? Man, that was, it was incredible, but it was also hard because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, okay. I had actually, I ended up getting in more trouble uh, after I got baptized. So I, I get baptized and it's like, you know, next thing you know, I'm, I'm going and I'm helping these guys do different things. I'm going on hunts with Buck Commander Uh, I'm getting to be on the show, different stuff like that. And then I have people asking me to come speak, share my story. And, you know, without having that discipleship and guidance, 
I really thought that I was doing the right thing uh, even whenever I was riding the fence. So what okay. I mean by that is, um, you know, I'd almost started living like this double life. Uh, in my mind and in my heart, I really thought I was not doing anything wrong because uh, mm. I was just so young as a Christian. So I would go talk about Jesus all day and uh, everything else. And then I would come home and I would I would drink, I would smoke, I would, you know, have sex with women and stuff. But in my young adolescent Christian mind, I'm telling myself, well, you know, grace abounds and, you know, I'm not as bad as I was and God knows my heart. And now, mind you, I'm, I had just got baptized literally, I mean, three, four months ago, you know, and I, and I'm getting to do a lot of this stuff that, you know, most people after they get baptized don't do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, And so, uh, so it was just a lot real quick and, um, and yeah, I would live uh, this double life, but in my mind thinking that I'm doing okay, but that's where the discipleship and, and these guys loving on me and being there for me really helped me. Uh, and, you know, I, uh, I remember one instance is, uh, you know, they were sitting down helping me go over my budget. I was trying to figure out what to do with my money and stuff. And, um, I was actually sitting down with John David and uh, because Willie was super busy at the time, but he was, you know, everybody was kind of in communication and uh, we're sitting there and we're going over my budget and they're like, man, how are you paying for, uh, you know, your, your car note? And I was like, well, you know, I say this and then they go, well, it's not adding up. Like the numbers just aren't adding up. I was like, well, you know, me and my grandma, we, uh, you know, we sell pills you know, and and they were like, you can't do that. And I was like, no, I mean, it's my grandma, you know, she's, I just help her sell her pills and that's how I pay my car note. They're like, Brian, you cannot do stuff like that. Like you're just, not, yeah. you know, yeah. me thinking, I literally was like, oh, okay. I didn't realize, you know, I didn't think yeah. I was hurting nobody, you know. Uh, and and uh, Willie says, uh, Willie says, okay, man, this is what we're going to do. All right. You need to quit smoking. I was smoking cigarettes at the time. Right. Uh, He said, every day you go without a cigarette uh, for 20 days, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. And because I owed two thousand dollars left on my vehicle to pay it off. Right. uh, Which then in helping me do that would lessen uh, the desire for me to sell pills with my grandma. Oh, yeah. Right. So he goes, he goes, all right, every day you go without a cigarette for 20 days, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. And uh, so I was like, okay, do it. And I'm, I've always been a pretty, you know, I, I got some integrity. And so yeah. I was like, all right, let's do it. So I go 20 days without a cigarette. Uh, Willie gives me, um, Willie gives me, you know, $2,000, pay off my vehicle. I quit smoking and pay off my vehicle and quit selling pills with my grandma. All just in that, like, you right. know. And so, uh and so, yeah, you know, there were struggles and times I'd gotten in trouble uh, uh, and everything like that, that they they really loved me through it uh, and and helped me a lot and to get yeah. me to where I'm at. That's powerful. Hey, guys, we'll take our last break here. Are you tired of the superficial? Ready to go deeper and talk about things that really matter? Join a mastermind today. This is more than a group. 
It's a chance to be heard, to solve your tough issues, and ultimately grow as a man. You can't outsource leadership. You must lean into it as a husband, as a father, or as a manager. A mastermind is the intense and intentional place to do that. Get around other men with a proven framework to work through all aspects of life together. It's time to take a stand, to fight back, and with our masterminds, you'll unleash the lion within. Experience the power of connection, transparency, and authenticity. Head over to thelionwithin.us to register and sharpen your leadership with a Lion Within Us mastermind today. Well, Brian, it sounds like, man, you had those those guys, Willie, you know, Al, I'm sure, Phil, who are speaking that truth to you. And so so many times, Christian men, we just don't have that. And it's wonderful that they had that. I mean, and, and also that you were willing to listen and learn from those mm-hmm. guys. I think so many times, guys, we don't want to recognize that we have any weak areas. You know, we want, we want to keep up the Superman macho type of, of facade because – we don't want to reach out for help because that shows we don't we're weak or something. So maybe speak to the guy that, that who just recently converted his life to Christ and you know take him back there. Maybe they were living a life very similar to what you were living. Why is it important to see, to seek that wise counsel of men like that? You know, biblical men of integrity that can help them guide and direct you because you don't you don't know all this stuff when you first come to him. It's we're all baby believers and we it takes time to grow and and you know in our faith and our knowledge. Yeah. So the enemy is like a roaring lion circling around waiting to devour you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lion uh, never actually runs up on a herd. It waits till there's prey off isolated by itself. And that's the one that it attacks. You're right. Uh, the reason why is the herd kind of protects itself. It puts the strong ones on the outside, weak ones in the middle. As they get weary, they kind of rotate in and out. And so what I've always told my clients is community is the make or break component for people that get sober and stay sober. Matter of fact, community is the make or break component for people that experience spiritual growth or not. Um, I mean, what God has always taught us is that we're to live in community and iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Right. You know, I think that one of the biggest tactics that the enemy tries to use is to get us to just rely on ourselves and to be, uh, self-reliant and not not allow people to speak into our lives. And man, it's just necessary. Um, you know, since everything happened, uh, you know, I got into some more trouble and ended up at uh, uh, in jail for DWI on a possession charge three days before my episode airs on Doug Dynasty. And that's ultimately, you know, my mentor, Grant Taylor, who's the buck, who's the general manager of Buck Commander at the time. Uh, and Willie and them, everybody gets together. They come get me out of jail. They let me keep my job. They just say, hey, uh, we want you to sell your vehicle and uh, get involved with Celebrate Recovery. And, um, you know, I get into Celebrate Recovery, and that's what I ultimately learned, is that an authentic walk with Jesus isn't one that you do by yourself. There's times where you spend intentional time alone with Christ, uh, but uh, we are called to walk this out together. And so I think that it, you know, for me, it was one of those things where I, um, I just knew that I had no idea what I was doing. Right. Right. 
Like if you want to talk about the streets, living in that, understanding it and everything else, I got you. I know that stuff like the back of my hand. But whenever it came to walking out a life that was positive, that didn't involve identifying your manhood by what prison you went to, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so for me, it was easy to realize, OK, I don't know anything. Somebody showed me didn't mean that I wasn't resistant at certain times. But um, you're willing. You're willing to learn. I right? was willing. I was willing, man. I, I wanted something different. And after I experienced what Jesus can do, uh, it, I was I was off to the races, man. And so, well, you've mentioned celebrating recovery. So, man, what is that? I know that's, that's a big part of your life now, but share that with our listeners, what that is and how you help people. Yeah. So celebrate recovery is a 12 step Christ centered uh, recovery program. Uh, you know, basically you we have eight principles and 12 steps uh, that help guide people from any hurt, habit or hang up. And, you know, the thing I loved about celebrate recovery is a it's Christ centered, but B it's any hurt habit or hang up. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is good. Matter of fact, the 12 steps are almost exactly the same. Uh, but it's it's identifying uh, the help with alcoholism. Uh, with Celebrate Recovery, you know, it's about anything. And okay. for me, that worked a lot because I've, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say I was addicted to a substance Uh, or anything, but I was addicted to a mindset. I was addicted to a way of life and I was a problematic uh, drinker and user uh, because of all the trauma and different things that I went through. And so being able to walk out the 12 steps for a mindset, for a perspective, for a thought process, ultimately helped me grow and have a deeper relationship with Jesus and, uh, you know, is allowed me to have healing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so CR it, celebrate recovery. Uh, it's a it's a global ministry. Uh, we have CRs all over the place. Uh, I'm currently the director of celebrate recovery here at our church. And uh, we have the largest uh, celebrate recovery in the nation. Uh, and so we're blessed to be able to see on average between four to five hundred people uh, every Friday night. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. is that usually how CR is set up? It's set up within church organizations? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. The DNA of Celebrate Recovery is to work uh, with a church. Okay. Yeah. And then it's a, it's a Friday night. Is that a typical when CR meetings occur? Well, so CR meetings are pretty much any night just kind of based on what works best for you know, whatever right. Celebrate Recovery they're doing, you know, for us, it's Friday night. Uh, and but, you know, there's five other Celebrate Recoveries in town all on different nights. So that's okay. really cool for the people in the community because um, options. You could go, yeah. You, well, you go get meeting every night then, you know, yeah, uh, just like you would with AA or NA or anything like that. Right. That's wonderful. And I mean, so it sounds like so you're you're director there. So what what does the day to day look like? What are you doing to, uh, you know, to, to obviously you guys are doing a great job. So just give us a little insight to your day to day. What does that look like? Well, man. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm leading Celebrate Recovery with uh, my partner, Derek McQueen, who is uh, a guy that uh, I actually counseled as he went through inpatient treatment. Uh, okay. Now came moved into one of our uh, sober living programs. Um, 
did well. God blessed his life. And now he's he's here running CR with me. Uh, and we also own Transitional Living Program, uh, which is basically sober living for guys that are coming out of rehabs, prisons, uh, right. things like that, allowing them to have a safe place to go, uh, some accountability and discipleship. Um, and then I'm also an addiction counselor uh, in the States. So, you know, I counsel people, uh, work with uh, treatment centers and things like that. And uh, so day to day, I'm I'm uh, full time here at the church. I go and do counseling with people. We're running Celebrate Recovery and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, taking care of the guys at the houses and things like yeah. that, doing stuff like this with you and uh, just That's whatever awesome. door, you know, man, I had this moment after I'd messed up and got arrested again. Uh, I went to the sober living home and then I got kicked out the sober living home. And uh, I was sitting in a hotel like, did did I have all this? Did I really go from life in prison to, you know, working uh, with the guys on the most popular reality show uh, and then hanging out with country music singers and professional athletes and everything with Buck Commander to just be in this hotel and it just be a just yeah. be a thing that happened in my life whenever I'm I'm sitting in prison, like telling people about, you know, how cool it was. I was like, right. is that really what all this happened for? And um I had this moment where I was like, you know what, God, if you you just give me one more chance, give me one more opportunity. I'm going to be totally sold out for you, man. I'm not going to make another decision. I'm not going to plan another thing. I'm not going to try to have my will done based on what I can figure or muster up. Uh, it's all you. And, uh, you know, God smiled on me, gave me one more opportunity. And a lot of that was because of uh, Miss Kay and just different people in my life. And uh, And so... Yeah, ever since then, man, I haven't really planned a whole lot. I haven't said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do and everything. I just, like, God, you put it in front of me and you asked me to steward it. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and I'm going to be faithful with it. And uh, and then the next thing you give me, I'm going to be faithful with that. So I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what what we're doing. Uh, Heck, Chris, I don't know how I ended up here. I'm just I'm just telling people about Jesus and sharing with them the reality of what can happen whenever you put him first in your life. And here we are, man. That's a powerful story, Brian. So before we wrap up, we always like to do a little lightning round with our guests. It's it's just fun. It's a way for them to get to know you a little bit better. So if you're willing to play, man, we'll jump right in. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, All right, man. So just just share (laughs) a, a favorite hobby, anything you like doing for fun. Playing Xbox, man. That is how I decompress. Okay. People don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man. I, I, uh, man, I deal with so many people, uh, you know, and stuff. And I'm a, I have high beta wave brain activity. So my brain's always going. I never right. stop. I can never shut it down. And man, nothing decompresses me and, and makes me feel relaxed than, uh, you know, getting home, turning on the Xbox and just focusing on that. Just game. So what's your favorite game? Uh, Call of Duty, man. You know, I love playing some Call of Duty. Uh, you know, I like other games too, but uh, 
really just, you know, Call of Duty. I'm also a big, uh, I love history. I love learning. That's what's helped me, you know, get to, you know, where where I'm at just in understanding the word and everything and being able to preach is I love, love, love learning things and nothing I love to learn more than scripture. But uh, so, so I'll play games that have history involved in it and stuff, but, but really the quickest and easiest thing to do to decompress is just, you know, get in your, your little gaming chair and play some (laughs) call of duty. Yeah. I hear you, brother. I hear you. Now you got Texas, you got Louisiana. So give us your favorite. I'm. I usually ask guys for their favorite food, but look, give me your best, your favorite Texas dish and your favorite Louisiana dish, man. Ooh. Okay. All right. So, Louisiana dish. I mean, do you even live here if you don't say crawfish? You know. I mean, <laughs> right, obviously right. crawfish, but you know, you, I love gumbo. Uh, but I mean, it's got to be crawfish, Texas. Uh, you know, it's it's Texas, man. You can't if you ain't got a brisket, yeah. uh, you know, some good Texas barbecue. Then what are you really doing? You know, <laughs> that's right, man. That's right. That's it. Well, let's. Uh, what, what about your uh, your favorite music, Brian? What's your What's your favorite music you like to listen to? You know, growing up, all I ever listened to was, uh, you know, hip hop, rap, R and B. Right. Uh, but, but man, I would go and party with so many people, like because I was from an all black neighborhood. I look Hispanic, uh, and I'm a white dude, so right. didn't help me a lot in prison. But it did help me whenever I was selling drugs. So I would right. go and hang out with so many different people, and then just being from Texas, I mean, you hear country music and stuff like that. Since becoming a Christian, though, man, uh, just because a lot of a lot of my roots are are in the hip hop culture and everything like yeah. that, I listen to a lot of Christian hip hop uh, and and rap artists. But um, man, nothing nothing is better than just some good worship music, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's driving my son to school, uh, you know, just sitting in my office, um, just having some worship music going just keeps me grounded, keeps me in that posture of of uh, gratitude for Christ and, and what he's done. And so that's that's it. really all I listen to nowadays. I um, love it. You know, every now and again, you turn on a country song, just, you know. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Brian, what's your, when you start thinking about God, this has been a very spiritual conversation. Lots of ways where God has shown up and shown out in your life. What's your favorite thing about God? Man. My favorite thing about God is that he is God, right? Like it, he is omnipotent. He is the creator. He is the almighty uh, he is the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. He is right. Like that is what I love about God is yeah. he is far beyond anything we will ever actually truly comprehend. However, we have an example of him in the son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? Like I, 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 I mean, I, could I say his grace, his mercy? Could I say uh, his planning? Uh his foresight, his, uh, his, uh, interaction. Yeah. I could say all of that, but man, like just the, the fact that there is a God and it isn't me is my favorite thing. Amen to that brother. Because, uh, because I'll tell you without the Holy spirit, I suck. You know what I mean? And I know it. Right. And I'm thankful that 
I have a creator that uh, while I was in my mother's womb, knew every hair that would be on my head. Right. right? And that none of this is actually by chance. Right. You know, because I had that thought before. I had the mindset that there wasn't a creator and that we were all just worm food when we die. And I'll tell you, it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And it drove me completely insane. Yeah. So the fact that God is God is my favorite thing about God. Amen, brother. Now, what? let's flip it 180. What's your least favorite thing about Satan? Oh, man. The the lies, the manipulation. Mm. Now, Satan actually within himself doesn't have any power. He just creates an area of doubt. Right. right? Like Satan can't make me uh, actually do anything, but he can manipulate me into having the wrong actions. Right. And so my least favorite thing is how uh, he will distort things from the reality uh, to a fear based perspective. Right. And then that generate uh, the actions that occur. And, and right. then that happens for everybody, which then just creates this broken, fallen, uh, sinful world that we live in. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, you know, honestly, a lot of times. Uh, you know, whenever I'm talking to people and, and we're helping guys and everything, we talk about, look, that mindset that you have, that's just the enemy. Right. right. But I, man, I live with a blessed assurance and a major gratitude of knowing that the enemy has already been defeated. Right. And so therefore he has no hold on me and therefore he doesn't have no hold on anybody else. We just got to quit allowing him to distort and to distract us from the reality of Jesus has already paid the price and the battle's already won. Amen to that, brother. Amen. Well, let's do two two more quick ones here, Brian. So what's uh, maybe something that you spent over the last year, where'd you spend too much time doing? You know, we all look back and, look, and we try to reflect, we try to improve. When you look back over the last 12 months, what did you spend too much time on? I spent too much time worrying. Right. Mm. Uh, so and, and here's here's the reason I say that is, um, you know, all the things that I've been through in my life, all the various traumas, you know, like I said, as a counselor now, I understand all of it. But just understanding it doesn't help you whenever you're getting ready to marry somebody. Right. I spent a lot of time worrying about if uh, she would turn her back on me, if she would betray me, if she would leave me if she would hurt me, uh, you know, and, and that is because of the things that I went through. Right. Uh, you know, and so if I look back at the last 12 months, I really, I really spent way too much time, uh, just worrying, um, from the things, uh, from my hurt really. Right. I let my past hurt create me, you know, allow me to worry about something that God had given me. That's the that's the most interesting part of it. It's not like I, you know, I didn't come up with this girl for me. God did. Right. And yet I'm worried about how it's going to pay out uh, based in my past hurt. So it's been the last 12 months really worried way too much about that. 
Amen, brother. Well, you can put that worry behind you, bud. So, I mean, I'm so happy for you. Last question for you here on, on the line today. What do you hope the guys listening remember the most from our conversation? Yeah, uh, I will say this. I hope that guys listening uh, remember this, that adversity is inevitable, but misery is optional. And if you want to have growth, you're going to have to face adversity, right? Because adversity breeds advancement. Just because you're dealing with something doesn't mean that it's not for a purpose. And Jesus has already done the work on the cross. He's already done the work in your heart and he will continue to bless you and keep you. All we have to do is remain faithful, even in the times when it's the toughest. Not rely on self, but rely on him. Uh, and, Amen. and man, you, I, you know, I sometimes I freak people out because uh, I'm one of those people that whenever it's really, really big stuff, uh, I just don't worry. But when it's small things, I yeah. worry a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. trust. Okay. I'm going to worry a lot about that, but Hey man, uh, you know, we lost this house. What are we? Ah, it'd be all right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. And so, you know, I just, I live with the peace of knowing that everything that we go through that is difficult is intended for us to grow from and that God will ultimately use to glorify him. And so Amen. that's what I want people to remember. Amen. Mm -hmm. But thank you so much for that. Now, where do you want guys to go to connect with you or to learn more or just to learn more about Celebrate Recovery? Where, where would you like to point them? Yeah. So the first place you could go is uh, uh, the church's website, WFRchurch.org. Uh, you can contact us there. You can learn about Celebrate Recovery. Uh, you can see videos, different things like that. Uh, also, my social media, uh, Facebook, I'm just Brian Rucker, uh, Instagram, Brian Rucker 52. Uh, we're working on, you know, generating a way to get more stuff out there for people okay. uh, on online platforms. But right now, the best way to do it is just uh, visit us on the website. You can shoot me an email. It's uh, brucker at wfrchurch.org. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we've, uh, we've tried to just be a beacon of hope for people, you know? And so if you got anything you're dealing with, any struggle, uh, give us a call, shoot us an email. We'll try to help you. you know? Amen. I absolutely love it, Brian. This has been a wonderful conversation. Anything else you'd like to share with us today? No, man, I'm just uh, just grateful. And I appreciate what you're doing uh, for guys out there that are, you know, trying to uh, help people know Jesus, man. And so it's, it's an honor to get to talk to you again. Hey, absolutely, Brian. Man, you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, sir. All right, brother. God bless. All right, guys. So there you go. I told you it was going to be powerful. Brian was absolutely incredible. I mean, a couple of things he said at the end about the adversity that is absolutely inevitable. You know, you're going to have adversity if you have in life, but the misery, that's optional. Guys, you get to choose how you respond. So I'm just, I'm hoping that you taken the lessons that Brian talked about, the things that he, the mistakes he made in his life. He owned them. You know, he wasn't trying to hide behind anything. And he's constantly learning. He's growing. He's trying to use those that that history, that testimony, not as something to hide from, but something to show. Okay, here's hope. Here's what hope looked like in my life, and I, and there is hope for you. So again, if you're dealing with addiction, if you're dealing with a struggle or any in any area of your life that you just feel that you're just that, that's defining you, that's holding you back, 
reach out to the, to the team, celebrate recovery. Again, they're not in, just in Louisiana. They're all over. So try to find a celebrate recovery team. Again, that's going to have that component of, of ministry of Christ in it that we know is important to you. Okay. So check out the show notes for sure, for all the links for the celebrate recovery. And I just want you to think about this. Do you actually believe in second chances? Because if you don't, I'm here to tell you, we, we, we serve a God who that, that is him. He, he is here. He is ready. He has never left you. Whatever sin path that you're walking down right now, just know he's there. All you have to do is turn around. You just have to turn around. Jesus is not left your side. So turn around, cling to the father, especially when you're going through the fiery trials. Okay, so again, share this stuff out with others, fellas, particularly guys out there who may be going through some struggles or things like that in life right now. This is how you do it. This is how you make an impact. And it could, you never know just by sharing a podcast like this, how that could generate a conversation that can really change their life. So just take that opportunity, share it out. Give us a rating and review if you have an op- if you have a chance. That would be tremendous for sure. And then head over to the line within us for all our resources to join our community to check out the things we're doing about our summit leadership, our summit leadership development. Guys, we have lots of ways we serve people. Go, maybe you want to check out some of our devotions that we have on the U version Bible app. Go, we'd love for you to to check some of those out. But mainly, just want to be here for you. Just want to pray for you. Want to be here. Just want to be here to help you be that leader that God intends you to be. All right, guys, we'll come back on Friday. We'll be looking for that fun Friday episode with you guys. Get after it. Stay strong. And remember, keep unleashing the light within.